Hey, Sound Opinions listeners, if you support us on Patreon, you get to listen to our podcast ad-free on Patreon. Listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we're talking with Carly Hartsman of the Alt Country Shoegaze Band Wednesday. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. But first, let's review the new album from Irish artist CMAT. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Oh yeah, that is a little bit of the song California, a single from, and the opening track on Crazy Mad For Me, the new album by CMAT, that's capital C, capital M, capital A, capital T, the uh, nom de pop of Sierra Mary Alice Thompson, a young woman born in Dublin who uh, made quite a splash, Greg, in 2022 with her debut album, If My Wife Knew, N-E-W, I'd Be Dead. Sierra has a way of titling her records. Uh, What an interesting artist. Uh, You know, the UK fell over backwards hailing that debut. Comparing her, Greg, I love this, uh, to... uh, the uh, Dolly Parton of country pop, (laughs) (laughs) but she's made some turns on her second album. Um, This is largely a concept album, and I have to read this quote, which just, you know, made me uh, love her. I tried to make this album like Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf. I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, but for the girls, and I probably failed, but we landed somewhere nice and different anyway. Indeed, it is a musical departure from the first album. I really hope that everyone enjoys these 12 miraculous bangers and that at least 20% of 19-year-olds who listen to this record break up with their significant others. Then my job will be done. 
It is largely tracking uh, a relationship of some years ago that uh, Sierra has called toxic. Uh, she started out making music as a duo with her boyfriend. Uh, the duo was called Bad Sea. It was an isolating, toxic relationship, she said. It almost made her give up music. Uh, then she... Uh, got some advice and some mentoring from uh, the English singer uh, Charlie XCX and said, you know, don't give up, uh, reimagine yourself, keep going. And so we have this album uh, produced by a Norwegian producer, so a little of that uh, famous Scandinavian pop gloss on things. Um, I think we just should dive into a song and then we'll start to give our opinions. There's a lot to say about this record. Where Are Your Kids Tonight is the song from Crazy Mad, comma, For Me by C-Mad. That is Where Are Your Kids Tonight from the artist CMAT. The album is Crazy Mad for Me. Um, you know, CMAT uh, is sort of labeled as this uh, glam cowgirl from Dublin, right? Yeah. There's country influences in the music. You know, anybody who's thinking they're going to get a Nashville-type sound are, are, <laughs> are you going to quite get no, that here. No. Uh, there is a bit of a country influence there, and what I hear primarily is the subject matter. You know, the, the uh, he dumped me or I dumped him, and I'm singing about it while hanging out at the back of this bar, you know? Yeah. The quote that really stuck out for me when she was describing why she makes music, she says, I'm making it for people who have lived insular lives like I did for a, a quite a long time. You know, queer people, 14-year-old girls who have no friends and weird hobbies, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I go, I like that. You know, yeah, I, got, yeah. I can relate. I mean, it's just, it is a big album. There's orchestration, string section on this. She does everything from Irish fiddle on here to there's this Middle Eastern guitar figure in that song, I Can't Make Up My Mind. Mm -hmm. So she's all over the map musically. Rather than um, Meatloaf, I was thinking more like a Lana Del Rey record. It's this sort of very yep. elaborate pop record. And again, another reference, uh, it reminded me a little bit of Lily Allen. Oh, you know, the sort of yeah. tongue-in-cheek quality to a lot of the lyrics. This is about a breakup. It's pretty dire in terms of it. This is the really rotten relationship. But she's very self-deprecating about it all oh, the way yeah. through. There's a, there's a sense of absurdity about it all. She has this sort of uh, way of looking at the world. You know, she does sound like that insular kid who spent a lot of time by herself growing up and her letting her imagination run wild. You look at these videos that she's doing and she's like in these clown outfits and stuff. <laughs> very, way over the top. Just looks like a really fun person to be hanging out with. Yeah. And this is a very... Um, as a pop record, this works really well for me. This is what all pop should sound like in 2023. It's so ambitious. Taking that turn from the slightly more country sounds of the debut to this orchestral pop uh, was was really, she pulls it off. And, yeah. You know, it's meatloaf uh, in terms of the grandiose concept as well as that... Uh, 
theatricality. Yeah. And occasionally, <laughs> uh, CMAT's theatricality uh, overwhelms me. As you know, I have an allergy to Broadway. But yeah, Lily Allen, good point. That cutting biting uh, humor. I, I just got to quote some of these lyrics. You told me you love me, but not like it happened in Sex and the City. I was in Denmark. You told me you loved me, but not how it happened on Sex and the City. Spend 16 hours watching Gilmore Girls quite comfortable. I was crazy back then. Uh, you'll never be Marky Smith of the fall because your weakness is a bit she's a hoot man you know the other part of the the uh concept is apparently uh at age 47 she is using a time machine to go back and give herself advice about Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island since 1988 Goose Island's been brewing beers in the spirit of Chicago you can find IPAs, lemonade, shandy, and limited releases in store or at one of Goose's venues in Chicago. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island. Since 1988, Goose Island has been brewing award-winning beers in Chicago that are inspired by this city. Take 312 Lemonade Shandy, Tropical Beer Hug Double IPA, and a rotating series of hazy IPAs only available in Chicago. Uh, you know, every time we go down to Goose Island, there's another one that they're pushing on us. That's right. You and know, they're all good. Absolutely. And uh, what supporters of, of musical culture, you know, in, in the city of Chicago and elsewhere, uh, if you go to a show in Chicago and you see that Goose Island uh, sign, you know, you know you're in good hands. Uh, they're music fans as well as great uh, beer makers at Goose Island, so we're really proud to be associated with them. The Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. About the bad relationship she's stuck in, and, you know, somehow 1890s Paris plays into this, too. <laughs> I haven't figured it out, but I can't figure out what, you know... Uh, Bat Out of Hell was really about either, you know, and I don't care because this ride is so much fun. Well, that that is what we thought of CMAT, again, C-M-A-T, uh, but we want to hear from you. Are you aware of this Irish phenom? Uh, leave us a message with your thoughts on our website, soundopinions.org, and when we come back, we are talking with Carly Hartsman of Wednesday, a band we were very excited about this year, and we'll hear from some of you, our listeners. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. I'm actually fine. And we are back. This week, we're talking to the lead singer and songwriter of one of our favorite new bands, Carly Hartsman of Wednesday. The album Rat Saw God is one of our favorites this year, and we knew when we reviewed it uh, that we'd have to have Carly on to talk about it. She did not disappoint. Carly joined us via Zoom from the great outdoors, so you'll hear some delightful ambient <laughs> nature sounds. Welcome to the show, Carly. Hey, thanks. On a Tuesday, she actually got on the Zoom yesterday, Monday, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I, you got to be sick of Wednesday jokes, though. I, I heard, I, I saw an interview you did a chat with, uh, well, when everybody says Wednesday today, they mean the uh, show. Oh. The goth show, goth girl yeah. show. Yeah. No, there's funny. a million reasons why it's a confusing band name. Um, <laughs> and you know what? 
I just I, I take the jokes. I hear a lot of them, uh, and then just keep on keeping on because I, I, you know, what do you say? Like I, I what do you what yeah. do you do? Yeah. You just got to own it right now, <laughs> yeah. right? What the hell? People get over it, people. That's what we say, right? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, and after five albums and all the touring the band has been doing. And this extraordinary new record. I mean, it's like, yeah, you, you are Wednesday. Uh, that's honestly one of the reasons I picked the band name, because I thought of this is kind of like far out when I try to describe this. But like I was thinking about like Radiohead. That's two words, radio and head. But when you say Radiohead, mm-hmm. no one thinks like, oh, a person with a Radiohead. They're thinking of the band. So I'd be like, damn, how cool right. would it be if. I picked a, a word that is so used so often and people somehow get to associate it with this music I'm making instead of the literal day of the week. Like, how crazy would that be? And, you know, that's bitten me in the ass since then. But um. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think I think you're you're well on your way. Cool. We are both big fans of the new record and have been fans in the past. And I think still a lot of our listeners aren't so familiar, Carly, with the backstory. But I wanted to start with, because I find this hard to believe, you started out making music by playing ukulele. Oh, well, that was, my dad played guitar. He, like, took lessons at the YWCA where my mom worked, actually. And I wanted to start playing some sort of instrument. He's like, yeah, well, you're like... In middle school, high school, your hands are pretty small. So I don't know if like we can even find you a guitar that'll be small enough for you to play or whatever. And so he started, he got a baritone ukulele, which is the same tuning as a guitar, but just four strings. So that's what I played for a while. Yeah, that was in like, I was doing like covers in middle school and he actually got me a busking. Like you had to have like, like a little piece of paper that says you were allowed to do it in Greensboro, where I was from. And I would go out and there was no one else really, it wasn't a, busking town so it was just me Mm. by myself Mm. in like high school and I made like no money because there wasn't a really culture for that there or like people weren't like it wasn't very a prominent scene to do that so it's a funny little thing (laughs) it sounded like writing was the first thing that really artistic thing that you wanted to do like you're writing poetry in high school right yeah you know the shift from being wanting to be a writer or or actually writing into being a person who who wrote songs how did that transition occur well from the moment i you know when you're you're first hearing music that is your own or whatever and it changes your life um and it becomes that thing that is more important to you than anything else like from that moment that I started hearing music that way when I was young. I was like, one day I'll be in a band and I'll be doing this. Like, that's the only thing I can do because this is the most precious thing in life that could be ever done. Like music is, you know how it is when it's nothing else matters at that point, just because it affected you so, like it moved you as a kid. And it's hard to find things that really move you like that in adulthood. So that just like sticks with you. And it, I don't know, I just, I knew I needed to do that eventually. It just took me a while to get there because I didn't really understand like what 
involved to like have a band and communicate with people the kind of music you want to make i don't know it takes a while to figure out how that even works and it does it does yeah, yeah. so i just read a lot of music memoirs trying to figure out like how do you get from a to b and once i realized a lot of those people i was reading about didn't start until college i was like okay i'll do it in college and that's like kind of exactly what i did <laughs> so uh-huh. yeah <laughs> I well, got time. <laughs> so music really captured you. What was it? What music specifically was speaking to you when you were growing up? Oh, my gosh. Well, the coolest stuff in the world was what my older sister was listening to to me at the time. Um, and that was a lot of pop punk music. Um, and so and just anything I would listen to riding my bike around my parents' neighborhood and just like envision, envisioning what my adult life would look like. Like, that's what I did all the time. I used to just, yeah, daydream about playing music on a stage and listen. And then eventually I had a friend who was more like into indie and whatever music, make me a mixtape that had Cocteau Twins, My Bloody Valentine, Deer Hunter. And like from there, I was like, it's over. This is the only thing. This is the only (laughs) thing that matters. Um, Yeah. I I have heard you reference uh, shoegaze music um, uh, in several interviews. Yeah. What was it about that, especially because the first band you wind up playing with is sort of mm-hmm. pop punk. What made you fascinated by that shoegaze? Let, 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 let's take My Bloody Valentine in yeah. particular. Because it's so slippery, yeah. you know. I always said it's the sound of bed spins. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was really trying to figure out what my pain sounded like in high school. And, you know, Emo music and pop punk is a very specific version of that that I tried to get with and I didn't quite it didn't quite click. It didn't feel right to be making that music in my first band and it didn't feel quite right when I was listening to it. And then and I had some a bunch of stuff that I won't even I can't even get into that was like in high school that I was just in so much pain and I remember the first time I heard like noise, specifically guitar feedback, and I was like finally like a sound is translating to what I'm feeling. And it was almost like meditative because it was just running the right frequency to how I was feeling. So even now, like noise music is meditative to me because it runs, it's the only thing that can run in tandem with some of the things I felt in my life and felt like haven't been able to be captured in any other way. So I find it so therapeutic actually. And even if the lyrics have nothing to do with pain I was feeling, just the sound. And that's why I think I incorporate so much noise into trying to make an emotional song and leave space for a lot of noise because I think it translates so universally. Like, you don't even need words. It's just, it can tr- it can translate so many emotions, like, immediately. And the shoegaze thing was interesting to me, too, because a lot of the appeal of shoegaze was the lyrics were almost beside the point. I mean, they were so buried in there that, like you said, the, the sound had its own feeling. Mm-hmm. You didn't need really any more than that. And yet, you're like one of the most literary songwriters <laughs> of the last decade plus. I mean, words not only matter to you, but they really, they're great words. I mean, you're very poetic in what you're writing oh. about. Um, so what did you think? How did you sort of think of, like, I'm going to put this these poetic lyrics on top of this sound that really kind of can stand on its own. It really doesn't need that. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was just a great, great mix. But how did you arrive at that idea? I mean, I always like have been writing poetry, like as we were kind of discussing earlier. I knew the fact, like just hearing the lyrics and them being kind of decent in itself was innovative for shoegaze. And I wanted to do something. It's a genre where a lot is pumped out and a lot of it sounds kind of the same. 
and a lot of it yeah. has the same production quality. And I still appreciated the genre, but I knew inherently that giving a crap about the lyrics in itself would be innovative and bring something new to the genre that I think it really, really needed. Yeah, I mean, because what is a ride song about? What is a My Bloody Valentine song about? I have no idea. I love them dearly, yeah. but I have no idea. All interviewers must ask you about literary references. I've seen you drop a couple a few times. Mary mm -hmm. Carr, the brilliant, brilliant author of Liar's Club, one of my all-time favorite books, and Linda yeah. Berry from up here in Evanston. Oh, I, yeah, I love both of them. I feel like they really, anyone that kind of captures youth or childhood in like, in all the little dark moments that can happen that I think about a lot, I'm just like addicted to writing like that. They're both so good at that. And they're fun. Yeah. I mean, Mary Carr had a, had a brutal childhood, but she's funny, she's profane, she's sexy, she's insightful, and just a no BS person which I gather you are Absolutely, as well. yeah, I really relate to, I don't know. Yeah, her writing is so inspiring to me, both of them. Just that, yeah, anyone that kind of faces what they went to so head on and sees the value in it creatively and with, I mean, finding humor in something is finding value in it, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I just love that style of writing. Well, and also it's a it's a very Southern thing too, you know, it seems to me. The whole idea of, of bringing your childhood into, you know, bringing it forward. What's that William Faulkner line? The past isn't dead. It's not even past. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like this whole idea, like you're, you're always going to live with that. And Rat Saw God seems to be very immersed in mm -hmm. that feeling of what it was like growing up in North Carolina. I mean, very vivid. And it seems to me like you're combining bits of your own life and combining it with sort of these literary references and they're you kind of creating a new sort of a hybrid there if i'm not mistaken but it was there a particular thing that that set you in that direction in particular with this album to to write about that um i'm mostly just kind of going i'm trying to cover all the stuff i want to cover <laughs> um all the stories i have to tell and i feel like it's i'm probably gonna start with all this stuff from the beginning so it doesn't lose its presence in my mind um so i kind of start early i feel like eventually I'm, I'm working more into using more stories from my current life but there's just so many that are further back that i'm still kind of parsing through i feel like that's just like this is like the beginning of me trying to like make my way through the long list of stuff i want to like stories I want to tell before they kind of fade or before I have the chance to preserve them. That makes sense. I, you know, writing, writing, writing. We're talking about <laughs> writing. I got to say, one of my favorite stretches of Rat Saw God is wordless. And I've been dying to mm -hmm. ask you about what it was like in the recording studio mm. to do the vocals for that end part of Bull Believer. Yeah. <laughs> because you are just out of body, screaming, wailing. You know, I mean, are you smiling when you did that? Are your bandmates looking at you like, do we have to call 911? <laughs> yeah. Are you, uh, you know, what is going on? What an extraordinary vocal Thank performance. You. Well, yeah, that was like only, okay, so I knew I wanted to do that in the song, but I had never screamed like that in my life. I had no, that was the second or third <laughs> time I had ever done that because A, there's like not really a space where you can practice that. And even if you try to scream, so sometimes your body just won't let you. Like, it, it feels really taboo. So I, it, any laughter that's kind of in there is very nervous. I'm a nervous laugh 
like I get I laugh when I'm nervous and so the like kind of giggles throughout are me just being like how is this how am I supposed to like a express what I'm trying to like express from this memory that's so hard for me to access I was also thinking about the fact that I'm sharing that experience even though it's not with words or explicitly like that's the pain I'm like about to share with all the people that listen to this I was thinking about that and yeah my bandmates were not in the room they were downstairs playing video games I was like this is gonna be me <laughs> Mortal Kombat yeah. well they're playing Tetris actually <laughs> they were really into Tetris all right <laughs> My yeah. favorite. The only video game I oh, ever Oh, they're played. so obsessed with it. But yeah, it was crazy. I, and I'll never perform it like that live because it's actually not a sustainable scream. I like that it exists, um, <laughs> but I can't recreate mm. it like that when I have to do it every night because it's not a healthy thing for my mm. voice. I can't. I do a scream every night, but it's something that I watched a bunch of YouTube videos on and how like screamo and like people that scream like full sets do it. Um, because that is a scream that is extremely unhealthy on the voice. Yeah. <laughs> in the album. Yeah. That'll tear yeah. you up. That it's is. a cathartic moment on the record. It's early. It comes early in the record, right? It's like what the second yeah. song yeah. or something. I'm thinking like, like this is a make or break moment. You either love this and are into it or you're just like, Oh my God, I don't think I could, I can take and Like I, you know, I, I love that song, but at the same time I can only listen to it once in yeah. a while. It's like, it's almost too much. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I totally get that. So did you feel like uh, it had to have that and I don't care what people think about it, I just need to have this release, this song needs to have this in it, no matter what? Oh yeah, it's 100% for me. Um, And if people liked it, I I was glad, but that was uh, something I really needed to... If I was going to go into all the stuff I was talking about on the rest of the record, I was like, this is the thesis statement. If we get past this point from both me performing it and a listener like the rest of the album is kind of healing from that moment like some people are like why isn't this at the end of the album because it feels like more of a like but i was like we're gonna listen to this up front because that's what i need to say that's what i need you to know and then the rest of it like we can like kind of settle in and like (laughs) like reorient (laughs) ourselves or at least for me like that's how i needed it to be yeah hopefully that makes sense but that makes perfect sense yeah it absolutely does When we get back, more of our conversation with Carly Hartzman, including the moment her mom realized she was getting famous while in a fast food (laughs) drive-thru. I don't know about famous. You know, mom heard her on Sound Opinions. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. Sound Opinions is sponsored by Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success Skip the grocery store, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options. Factor now offers additional options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep you going no matter what's on the schedule. When things get hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So if you want to try Factor and make your life easier, here's what you need to do. Head to factormeals.com slash soundops50 and use code soundops50 to get 50% off. That's code soundops50 at factormeals.com. 
slash soundops50 to get 50% off. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we're back. This week, we're talking with Carly Hartzman of Wednesday. Let's get back to the conversation. Let's let's go back to the history, mm -hmm. Carly. You start out um, recording on your own. Wednesday's now a five-piece band. How did the band evolve? How did you meet the right people? Because, I mean, it's so much is about finding that chemistry. Yeah, for sure. Well, there was me and my friend Daniel did the first record. He was just like a friend of mine that was in that pop-punk band. And his he's an amazing guitar player, but a lot of his favorite music is pop punk uh and i was like i i like how this sounds but i need something that like i need guitars and other instruments that identify more with this other music i'm listening to which is kind of, yeah the more shoegaze and noise music we were kind of talking about earlier and so i mostly just went to a lot of house shows and was like kind of picking people from other bands like um <laughs> i my my friend sandy who plays Steel, was playing in MJ Linderman, who was a band long mm -hmm. before I started playing music. Um, and I was like, uh, well, that's the best instrument I've ever experienced or heard in my life. I, I need that in my band. And then Margo, who was on bass for the first part of our, or like for all the records, basically, um, she ran a house show venue and was just, I could tell she was deeply committed to music and making noise. And I was like, okay, that's the bassist. And then... <laughs> and I was just obsessed with MJ Linderman. I was like, and then once me and Jake started dating, I was like, all right, you're my band. You're like my favorite guitar player ever. I mean, it was mostly just out of appreciation for all of their stuff I had seen at house shows and in the local scene. Oh, I'm forgetting Alan. Oh my gosh, the drummer. Okay. Alan was actually like before Zandy. He was the first person to join the band. He had drummed in one other show, in one other band, and, other than, and that was enough for me to be like, you drum. I just need someone to play drums and also it's comforting that you barely know how to play because i barely know how to play guitar um and then we both like grew a lot together um kind of through that evolved yeah. together yeah i love the pedal steel uh the way that it's used is so radically different than 98 percent of the way yeah. we hear the rest of pedal steel. i mean you really have to go back to like pink floyd mm. You know, you ever see Live at Pompeii, the live concert movie that Pink Floyd yeah. did? You know, David Gilmour sits on the on the sand in the middle of the empty arena in Pompeii mm. and plays a lap steel solo, Whoa. you know, um, which is just a, oh, yeah, yeah I gotta see it. it. You'd love it. That, and you got to tell your bandmates who are Tetris-obsessed how good the history of Tetris movie oh, was. Oh, yeah, I'll do both. It, it, this crazy Russian invents it, and then it's all <laughs> sorts of spy capers, and it, it just came out a couple months mm. ago. Anyway, those are my two cultural recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she knows, she knows, you know, you know Mary Carr. We don't need, need anything else <laughs> hey, than I'll that. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, everything is sort of in a different context in Wednesday's music. The vocals, the guitars, the lap steel, it's its fun. It's disorienting, but fun. Yeah, I think it's just a result of us doing what we want to do. Because Zandy turned on that distortion pedal on his steel by accident, and the moment we heard it, we we're like, whatever that is, we're going to like harness that and put that exact sound everywhere in our music and yeah i think he's like one of the most i i don't know if it's made the impact yet that it's gonna make in the long term but i think he's gonna be in history books for the way he's using that instrument just because it's so i've never and he's and he gets better every tour we do 
and it is insane what he can do with that instrument and what like this melodies and the sounds he can make and the way they so perfectly translate he just is so intuitive with that thing i don't understand and he just picked up fiddle like he's just one of those people that will just pick up an instrument and start playing Mm -hmm. it's so upsetting (laughs) it's so good yeah yeah i've always envied those people is it the five of you making uh, the music together or are you bringing in demos or what how does it evolve from you've got this song idea and it becomes becomes a yeah i bring i write lyrics and my guitar parts and then we figure out everything i leave a ton of space that's why like almost none of our songs have choruses because i i consider i kind of leave choruses open for just instrumentation because everyone in the band is just so good (laughs) that i'm just like i want all of y'all to just Mm. play and have a lot of room to write like riffs and stuff so yeah i just write my parts i wouldn't know how to write their parts if i tried which I think is good because I think it makes a you can hear that there's a lot of different people's ideas happening sonically um, I mostly just set the tone with the words and my part on guitar but they respect the words too it seems like it's you're not buried. They're complementary. Yeah. Um, and that seems intuitive. More, you're not dictating to them, right? They're just kind of they understand the. They're value listening, of it, right? Yeah. Right. Sometimes when we're practicing, they don't even hear the words until I've re- re- overdubbed the vocals and re-recorded them, and they're just going kind of based off of my melodies and maybe like how my face looks when I'm singing and following that. But yeah, and it's I'm so excited to record the next one because every time we get more and more kind of like connected and we've been touring so much, I just feel like we're even closer than we were before and making records with people that you have that relationship is just like, it's perfect. It's so fun. It is special being on the road and uh, the nightly playing, but also the living yeah. together and having these experiences together. Nothing brings a band tighter than yeah. that. Yeah, and it's it's impossible a lot of the times. Like it's really hard. But that's I mean, I think the reason we got in so close is because we've seen like probably the worst and best of each other. Like we've seen the full spectrum of a lot each other. And I think that's harder to find in like adult relationships i'm discovering because i these are the only people i've kind of experienced that with what about Asheville? because i've been to different parts of north carolina but i've never visited Asheville. people come back from Asheville ra- raving about mm-hmm. it the music scene there is pretty healthy and how was your band accepted uh, when you're start when you were playing yeah there? well there was a little there was a few more mid-sized venues that were really great for bands here that closed during the pandemic but i worked at one of those called the moth light and so they would just like let my band open kind of any show I wanted to, which was cool. A little, mm. <laughs> Just yeah, sneak in, I'd be yeah. like, uh, like Speedy Ortiz came through. I was like, can we open? And they were like, sure. And so, yeah, I was playing a lot of shows and meeting a lot of bands just by working there and playing those shows. And then we played, yeah, a ton of house shows. When, I, when you live in like a school town with a lot of young people having house shows, that's just like a great way to get into the scene, first of all, by going and then contribute to it by playing. Um, and yeah, I love that we kind of came up DIY through that because it just makes me have a little less uh, it's imposter syndrome because it happened really slowly and organically and uh, we had a lot of help from people in town and I mean it's I don't really know where it's at now because we can't play that many shows in town that much anymore um, but I know there's a few like really cool house venues happening right now. You know two bands that you've given a lot of props to when you chat with 
journalists, not only for their uh, ethics and their sounds, but uh, their activism, Jason Isbell and the Mm Drive-By Truckers. Tell me about your fondness for those groups. Because you would, you know, if nobody knew, you would think, oh, it's a different world than what Wednesday's doing. But it's not. Just, I mean, purely the lyricism is enough. I feel like they're the best, some of the best lyricists of all time. And when you get into the fact of what it means to relate to another artist who is alive and well and from near where you're from that you can meet mm-hmm. and that like be positively influenced by like I feel like there's a lot of people whose music I like but I wouldn't want to meet them kind of thing and mm-hmm. the thing with <laughs> Jason as well and Drive by Truckers is I can meet them I have they're great and they've experienced everything good yeah. and bad and they could give me like great advice and have taken us on tour taken us under their wing yeah I mean just to like love someone's music and then they turn out to be like incredibly nice and encapsulate everything you love about living where you live just makes you love them more i mean and yeah they're doing that they kind of have been at the forefront of making peace with a lot of the political stuff we do have to deal with in the south and being like acknowledging it and also being like but i'm still proud of where we're from and making music about where we're from and that's not easy. I mean, we just got an email today. Oh, why is your show so political? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, we're talking to musicians or we're talking about music that is addressing these issues. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's in the music. We're not inserting it. You know, so you must get some crap. Um, A little bit. I, I mean, I'm not an expert on anything, so I try not to speak out of place too much. But I think there's like a certain responsibility when you have attention and a microphone. Um, and as long as you aren't like spewing stuff that has a negative impact or is hurtful or i don't know i feel like the stances i take are pretty obvious like at some music festival i was like we were on the amazon stage and i was like i said something about that on stage about about workers not being treated with yeah respect. and that seems like really obvious to me and not also like all that much controversial but of course there's a thing about that and the other thing was the it was about financial stuff touring that i thought was really obvious and that people i mean it's just people i think people like to argue it's funny that even if you're not saying anything all that intense i don't know yeah but you know isbel and the truckers have both put up with that and they're like oh yeah they, they get a lot they just of, they come out tougher on the other side yeah. yeah and i think it's i mean it's good to say where you stand because you don't want there to be any misconception about country music especially right now there's like all this weird stuff about country music being inherently conservative because of all these songs that are getting really popular with conservative stuff and like to be a voice that appreciates country music and is not spewing conservative it's like and hurtful and non-productive stuff like i think it's there's a lot of value in showing that i promise you can enjoy this music and not have beliefs that run in tandem with all this like crappy stuff happening in our country that hold hatred for yes, other people that's mm. yeah that's more eloquent than i think where i was trying to go just so you know Was uh, Chosen to Deserve uh, inspired by Drive-By Truckers? Because you do have that little name check of them in there. Was that sort of, what was the relationship there for yeah, this Yeah, Chosen to Deserve was my version of like, when I, when I listened to uh, Let There Be Rock, and I'm just, the structure of that song is him just going into stories from his childhood. It's like just such an entertaining way to write a song. And I was like, 
all I need is everything I lived and then just put it somehow into a song. It's harder than you would think because you can't put that many words into a song or else it'll get really jumbled and weird. So you just have to kind of pare down your memories, throw them all together. And it's like a super relatable and entertaining and like fun thing to, I don't know, when I sing the line about my friend doing Benadryl and having a overdose and getting his stomach pumped, I always see like acknowledging looks between friends in the audience about like maybe not the exact same thing but something similar happened and i'm always like yeah y'all i'm so glad you know this is an experience that happens and you'll be okay <laughs> i want to get carly to play um music critic i know you have a deep and abiding love for mitski mm -hmm. have you heard the yeah, new album i love it that moment when the choir comes in and goes family mm. <laughs> you know that and bull believers screaming mm. i mean that's, i should i could just loop those two things yeah. and live on that they're 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 shockingly great oh. songs yeah i like uh, i like some of the quieter moments on the album i think the best i really like her a lot and she inspired a lot of just her quiet quieter moments on there and of course the country leaning stuff with the pedal steel of course i'm going to be into yeah. it <laughs> and her melodies <laughs> are so exact they're so i don't know she, every note feels so assured i don't know how she does that well it's interesting though carly you know because when you read her interviews she's had ambiguous feelings about do i even want to keep making music mm -hmm. much less you know being a public figure and people don't always understand me i mean a lot of those things seem to have bothered her yeah. whereas you and the band seem to be like you know, we're going on this journey. Whoever wants to come, great. But we're going to embrace it all. We're having fun. We are having fun. Um, I don't think I've had to deal with a lot of the stuff she had to deal with, though, because, A, she's kind of doing it alone. She's the front person, and her name is the whole thing. I get to split that pressure between five people. Um, yeah. And also mm. her... We aren't big on TikTok, which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that makes a very confusing fan environment and creates a lot of weird situations. That's what I'll like just between a fan base and an artist. I think I've really learned from that, that I need to do a firm boundary and still be there and have access to my life mm -hmm. for fans, but not in the way that they have unlimited access to me personally, like unlimited access to the music and the band, but not to me, I think. And I, mentally i think i'm in a good place to like keep it that way no matter what happens um but yeah i think she she was kind of on the forefront of like one of the first people that, that had to deal with all of that in that way so whereas it seems like you're coming from the old school you know i'll be at the merch table after the gig <laughs> i'm happy to say hello <laughs> yeah no that's I, I try to keep it pretty like it's changing all the time too because now i can't go to the merch table or else i'll lose my voice from talking to people because i gotta play oh, so yeah, much yeah. but yeah it's a crazy complicated thing well you know what you what you just said about chosen to deserve you know you, there's harrowing moments and then you you know y'all i'm really glad we had this mm -hmm. you know we had this moment though and that speaks to the empathy that i hear in this record i remember when i the two songs that really stopped me in my tracks when i heard the record for the first time was bull believer mm -hmm. and then the, the quarry song mm -hmm. The 
And I was thinking of like Diane Arbus or somebody like that who took these beautiful photographs of these really marginalized people. And that song, like you talk about the Klutz brothers and it's just an insane little vignette about fighting, you know, fighting in the pool in their, in their underwear. Their parents are fighting and the kids got lice in their hair. But I don't see it as like you're putting anybody down or, or mocking them. It's almost like I, I, I felt a, a real empathy there. You know, you're describing these characters very vividly and they were living their lives and they're going through some stuff. You know, but at the same time, I'm, I'm painting this portrait of what their life was like. So I, I'm just curious about where that song came from. I mean, it obviously is a very vivid scene that you're painting there. Was that something that you imagined or was that something that really happened? Or where's that song drawn from? Well, it's uh, mixed real memories. And so a lot of the verses are about the story I most wanted to tell was the third verse about uh, my dad setting the field on fire with the model rocket and his brother. Mm -hmm. The whole song was formed around those stories and I didn't want that to be the only thing I told because I think that puts too much pressure on them in their life. And so I wanted to make sure, I was like, okay, how can I kind of spread this out amongst other stories, but in a way that doesn't mean just nonsense. And I was like, okay, I need to put all these people on the same street and fill all the houses on the street with different families experiencing different things I want to talk about that are reminiscent of these stories I want to tell. So the fourth verse is about was about my neighbor who lives across the street from me where I'm sitting and the cops raiding her house one night. Uh, that was another one I wanted to tell, so that's the fourth verse. And actually the second one about the Kletz brothers is, I believe, from a Mary Carr book. Those were characters in her book and I struck by one line and then I kind of, the rest is fictional. The lice and the parents mm -hmm. fighting. <laughs> um, it's lightly mm -hmm. inspired by the fights I could hear of my neighbors, but I was mostly just struck by the twin brothers in that, in one of her novels uh, and kind of, so a lot, that's just one of the stories that is actually fictional, but that ties into the world of the other stories I was trying to describe. The real stories, the, the stuff that actually happened yeah. that you saw, yeah. Well, and it's so relatable. I mean, the, like the Benadryl, <laughs> you know, the kid with lice yeah. in your class. If it wasn't you, you knew somebody like that, you know? Oh, yeah. I was definitely thinking about when I got at camp. <laughs> I got like, like everyone got lice at camp. <laughs> <laughs> we have been talking to Carly Hartsman of Wednesday. Carly, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Actually, can I tell one more story before... Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Let's I go. just had to you mention bet, this. Carly. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I totally interrupted you trying to close it out. Okay, so No, 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 no. no. I was done. <laughs> um, y'all two created a very, very special moment for my mom because she was in the line at McDonald's in the morning before <laughs> work and she had NPR on and your review of our album came on. And it mm. was the first moment she had heard anything about us like ambiently. And she said, she was like, I just screamed. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that is. And then she heard, I think y'all mentioned something else. And she was in the car again and recorded it. 
a video of it and sent it to me and she was just screaming. She was so, and she was like, I didn't even need my coffee that morning. I was so excited to be your mom. And I told <laughs> the people when I was paying and picking up my food that they were, t you, they, like these guys were talking about my daughter on the radio. And so that was just a really. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I love That's your great. mom. It does, part of me does, it does bum me out, Carly. Cause like it's one thing if, if you had heard it, you know, or, or, or some of your fans who are 10 years younger than you. <laughs> it's always what I what we're we're always getting these days is well, I first heard your show with my dad in the car Aww. and I'm like oh, well, the dad thing. Well, I will say Zandy the seal player listens to y'all also like and love when he heard <laughs> okay. you shout when he heard y'all had shouted us out he was like so stoked and was like Well, and I'm telling you, you know that that live at Pompeii is before dark. Side. Yeah. Right when they were really trippy, and just seeing Gilmore barefoot in the sand, you know, with a lap steel. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a kindred spirit for Zandy. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, I'll totally tell him to look it up. Anyways, yeah, I just wanted to get that in before. Uh... Oh, <laughs> oh, thank Very, you. That's, that's sweet of you. To tell your mom we thank love you. her, oh. and she should support public radio. Oh yeah, <laughs> she she loves y'all. She was so stoked. What. Fun. I think we could talk to Carly Hartzman all day, Greg, but uh, we got to respect it. He's got like music and genius to make. Thank you, Carly, for being on Sound Opinions. Thanks, y'all, so much. Good talking with you. What fun chatting with Carly uh, of the band Wednesday. On Sound Opinions, you know we believe everyone is a critic and we love to share our listeners' takes on the show. Here's our latest batch of comments New messages. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Chris calling from New York. I wanted to bring your attention to a band out of Brooklyn called Geese. They released an album in 2021 that featured a lot of elements of New York New Wave and also early 2000s New York rock, uh, talking about bands like The Strokes, particularly the lead singer's vocal uh, stylings. They remind me a lot of Julian Casablancas, but they have their own style. Uh, they have a new album called 3D Country. Uh, which is leaning a little bit more into the country rock vein, at least the, the singles that have been released so far. But it still has this manic energy that I love so much. I particularly wanted to highlight the lead single, Cowboy Nudes, which is a masterclass in writing a short, catchy song that continues to go in different directions and, and builds and builds and never feels dull. wonderful song. Hope you give it a shot. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Hey, Jim McGregg, what's up? This is Mike from New York. Wanted to just share with you my own buried treasure. And my buried treasure would be Jess Williamson and her new single, Hunter, from the album Time Ain't Accidental. Hunter, I just get great, you know, great imagery. You can tell that she's been influenced by the book Women Who Walk With Wolves. And it's just a great song about spiritual longing for love and the spiritual exhaustion that comes with love. I, I, I feel a real resonance with the line, my love is pure as the universe 
empty as an ashtray. Just love the duality there and the kind of pull between our earthly selves and our and our the needs of the body and the needs of our humanness and our search for spiritual longing and spiritual unity. And plus it's just got a great hook for a chorus. Just a great, great song for the summer. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot. Love the show as always. Take care. Bye. Hi, this is Serena from Berkeley, California. I wanted to let y'all know about both my favorite record so far of 2023 and also a buried treasure from Brontes Purnell. The new record is called No Jack Swing, a play on the No Wave movement and New Jack Swing of the 90s. Uh, Brontes is from Oakland grew up in Alabama. He is a writer and a dancer and was in the early aughts party band Gravy Train and has done a bunch of other cool projects, but still kind of maintained that underground flavor. Jack Swing is originally conceived of as a kind of audio zine in during the pandemic and grew into this beautiful 28-minute gospel, funk, rap, confessional. It's gorgeous, it's uplifting, it's hopeful, it's dancey, and I cannot get enough of it. Love the show. Thank you. They stay trying to munch on the boy like a two beat. Wanna be like me. little jiggle when I walk. I don't need Pilates. He gon' say tip when I walk. He talk a little wink at the eye. He gon' Hi, this is Jeff from Chicago. I really enjoyed the interview with Kimberly Mack about living color. For those of us interested in the black rock scene today, there are several artists worth watching coming out of the Chicago blues circuit because it's one of the few places those musicians can get a regular paycheck for their work. Check out Melody Angel's release this year, Indie Blues Girl, and the song Blues in My Hands. rock credentials are as strong as anyone on the scene today, but she's still flying just under the radar screen. All right, thanks. Your opinion don't impress me. Your dirty looks now keep me smiling. No more messages. Thanks again to every listener who leaves a message on our website, soundopinions.org. We appreciate it, and we love to share them. Mr. Cott, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, in honor of Halloween, we're going to lay some monster songs on you. And do not forget to check out our bonus podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Greg's favorite holiday. We love to do the Halloween show. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. 
Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo. Our Columbia College intern is Max Hatlam, and our social media consultant is Katie Cott. 